Hello and welcome to another episode of Ready to Lead. Today's show is a flashback to episode 18 where Richard and Jeff talk about creating trust in an organization. And this episode was originally aired in November of 2021, but Richard and Jeff recommend revisiting this every quarter with your team, so we thought we'd re-air it for you today. And if you want more resources on topics like this, you can always go to readytolead.com. But that's it for me today. It's time to get in today's episode with Richard and Jeff. Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. If you want to make an impact monetarily, socially, whatever it may be, and you want to have it be sustainable and enduring, if you don't rally and enable people to really do their best work, it won't be sustainable. And, and your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations will crumble. And it gets way more tiring, way more taxing. And it can just be more of a drag versus when you align people, you connect with people, you build deep, strong relationship with people. The output is the best work of your career. You can, you can accomplish way more, way faster, way more efficiently, way more profitably when you have a solid foundation of trust. Things just work faster, that you, you get to the root issues better. You don't dance around with all sorts of cloak and dagger weirdness that can happen. So hopefully that, that's enough to, to persuade and convince you. Likely, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already in that camp. But just in case, I wanted to address that because sometimes people hear the trust and they think, ah, oh, it's the soft stuff. Let's focus on the marketing, the sales, the strategy, the stuff I can measure. I can't measure trust. Yeah, but what you're saying is important. And I do think we need to step back and say, why Why do you need trust, right? Trust isn't just about that fluffy, like, oh, we're, we're a cohesive team and we, we like each other. And no, you have to have trust to be able to challenge someone to grow. There has to be trust in that relationship for peer accountability. Like if we are all going to hold one another to doing what needs to be done to achieve our mission, to hit our company goals, there has to be trust or we will have surface level conversations. The result or the effort we put forth is good enough because it's good enough. And because there's not enough trust there for not only the leader to challenge, but the peers to challenge. Trust is crucial to grow a business. Trust is crucial if your team is going to make an impact and do big things. So it's not fluffy. We have to build trust so that we can have the hard conversations and, and the, the conflict we talked about yesterday that has to happen for breakthroughs. Without trust, those conversations won't achieve the desired end result. They will just be business breakups. They will be you know points in time where someone you see someone's confidence go down instead of the time where you're challenging someone to be who the business needs them to be and who they have every ability to be. Like when someone doesn't have any trust, then we're not going to have these conversations. When trust is at its max, you don't call it conflict anymore. Think about that for a second. When you have a high trust organization, conflict isn't really conflict. It's just communication. It is factual communication when something isn't going the right way and we could have put forth a different effort. We're focused on the wrong thing. We didn't show up the way that we needed to show up. We dropped the ball. We call each other on that. And that's why trust is important, but we have to intentionally build it to be able to, to, to have those those conversations, to be able to challenge people in those ways. So 
I don't think it's fluffy at all. I think it's it's the relationship building that needs to get you to the real powerful conversations where breakthroughs happen. Let, let's jump in and actually create, actually provide some really rich resources. How do we do this organically? How do we do it consistently? It meaning building trust with each other. One pro tip I've just got to share before I forget. If this isn't a consistent cadence and you just kind of do it ad hoc, it's not going to be sufficient. This is one of those important but not urgent activities that if, if not planned, it will get overlooked. And you're likely nodding going, yeah, when's the last time I actually intentionally created an experience to build trust? Oh, yeah, shoot. Kind of running the business takes that over and all the, all the mechanics of that. We, we tend to not do it in a consistent cadence. So if there's anything you take away from this, it's build into your rhythm when you're intentionally going to create trust building experiences. So let's go into this. Let's go into cer certain ways that we can do it. And hopefully you've got something you can write with because we're going to share some different categories. We're going we're gonna to break down experiences in general. Then we'll break down assessments because both can be super helpful in sharing and building trust. So real quickly on the experiences side, we've got shared experiences, vulnerability inducing and creating experiences and healthy conflict experiences. But before we go any farther, let's, let's break those down a little bit. Richard, when, I, when we talk about shared experiences, what do we mean by that? So going back to the, the kind of the levels of intimacy, right? I mean, where, where are you guys at? Shared experiences are things that happen and require no real relational equity to, to be kind of withdrawn. So shared experiences, something like we're going to go do an obstacle course together. We're going to go go-kart. We're going to go zip line. Like those can be examples of really uh, fun, like physical shared experiences and, and why shared experience. So we don't have to, I don't have to be vulnerable at all. I mean, other than maybe like physical limitations or things like that, but everyone's dealing with the same level of vulnerability there. I just kind of have to show up and play the game. Right. Right. There's, there's something there, but when we're done, we will have all experienced the challenge of whatever we just did. Not only the mm -hmm. challenge we will have, we will have all faced the same challenge. Some of us will have struggled at different points. And at the end, we will all complete it together. That is a shared experience that we can anchor back to. Right. If you think about the relationships that you've had the longest in your life, the people that can call you and, and just kind of call you to the mat without you getting super upset and you know immediately, why? What are the common commonalities of those people in your life? And, and I'll, I'll promise you that you have shared experiences. It's why we build such deep and meaningful connections through adolescence, through high school, through college, through our first job, right? All of these things when, when not only do we have the shared experience of what we're going through in the place that connects us, the binder, for a lot of those, it's a school, but we're also going through the same things in puberty and, and the awkward right, years. Right. <laughs> we have those shared experiences to anchor back to and they built trust. How do we architect and engineer those as an organization? Love so it, it starts it. with uh, that. That's what you're looking for. And again, this is where trust is built. So it can be at a level zero and we can go do a go-kart race. Mm -hmm. It can be at a level zero and we can go do an obstacle course or a zip line course or, or something like that. And, and when we leave, 
Maybe it's only at a level 10, and I don't know what these levels are. I, I started saying that, and I was let's like, say. let's say out of 100. <laughs> so and let's just call it 10 out of a, a zero out of 100, 10 out of 100. So yeah. it, it's going to it, it's going to draw from that 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 relational equity, right? right. We're not asking right. much of anyone. So it's going right. to build that shared experience. I, I think that that's where everyone should start. Little ask, big reward. Agreed. Agreed. And, and one, one thing that I'd recommend not doing is going to a movie together. The only thing you share with that is, oh, what was your thoughts on it? But there's not a lot of mm. interaction. Not, it's just, it's, it's better than nothing, but it isn't as strong as it could be as far as a shared experience. So just a lot of people I hear, oh, let's go do a movie together as a team. And it's like, yeah, okay, but you don't really see personalities. You don't really share that same outcome together. So I'd recommend There's no struggle. That. So right. I'll tell you what, what you need in shared experiences is a, is a bit of, it needs to be, it needs to be difficult, but what are we trying to engineer? We're trying to engineer trust. We're trying to engineer, um, a non-work environment that mirrors what we're going to go through in the professional workplace. So right. if there is something that, that is a difficult obstacle that we all enter into in the same place that we start together, we struggle through together. And at the end we emerge victorious. Definitely. We all complete Definitely. it together. That's what, like a movie, it's like we went in, we watched TV together, we left. Right. Someone right, had popcorn, exactly. someone had a hot dog, this person had a soda. Did you know this right. person had wine in the movie? Oh, I, you know right. what I mean? It's, there's, there's nothing that can come from that. But yeah. if you go do an obstacle course or you have a go-kart race or just all these things. So that's one. And you have to know your team. You have to say like, are we Definitely. good being outside? Are we good? Are we more right. like... Is there a, like, what does healthy competition look like at my team? Do I have right. people that are inappropriate competitive that maybe we don't need to go to an obstacle course because right. for an, for a team without that, it could, it, it could kind of check the box of no real, no real withdrawal from the relational equity. However, because we've got what's his name or what's her name over here. That's crazy competitive. We know that, that it's actually going to be more of a trust no, breaker than a right. trust builder. I'll right. tell you, um, what we have settled on here is is a little odd. We do something called the Hot Ones Challenge. There's a there's a Facebook show, an interview show that is amazing. Sean, who is the host, is one of the greatest living interviewers in my opinion, and came up with the best concept for a show. I'll interview celebrities, but I we're gonna have ten hot wings in front of us. We're gonna have ten hot sauces. And they're going to build in intensity or, or heat Scoville levels from not at all hot to like, oh my gosh, why would anyone ever eat this? And along the way, he's asking amazing questions. And what you're seeing is the facade, right? Or the intentional mask kind of coming off that breakdown. And you get to who that real person is. But also, you just went through a lot in, 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 a, in a short amount of time. So we have now done that three times with our leadership team. And, and even with some of the, it's, it's become somewhat fractal as we've done it with uh, other teams. I'll tell you, when you want to talk about difficulty and shared experience and pleasure and pain and all these things, boy, this one's loaded. <laughs> and if you ask questions along the way, and those questions are more getting to know who you are, like what, what would your wrestler name be? And just stupid stuff like that. It's one thing to answer that question normally, just in sitting around a table, breaking bread together. It's another thing to answer that question when your eyes are watering, your lips totally. are burning, add something to it. So it doesn't have to be physical activities. It can be something like an eating challenge or a board game.
Like right. they're apples Both. to apples is a board game that's amazing, and it starts to give you insight into people's sense of humor. It's fun. Definitely. It's lighthearted. What are the types of shared experiences there? Ideally, there's a bit of there's a bit of a challenge that you overcome together, but there doesn't have to be. It's just time to 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 get to know one another, bonding, and something you can anchor back to. So it yep. is helpful if there is a bit of uh, a challenge that you overcome. Agreed. And if you if you can't get together, by the way, that's so great. Sharing those intimate experiences together, emotions together, laughter, pain, that, that bonds you. It's, it's such a mm -hmm. great way to do it. If you can't get together f physically, I recommend jackbox.tv. Quiplash is a great game on that. Se several games on that platform that you can play virtually, laugh together, problem solve together, have a lot of fun together. That's great. So then it goes to the next uh, category, vulnerability. Uh, vulnerability type of experiences that, as Richard said, you, you don't jump into that per se right away. If you do, you, you kind of ease into it. And, and one, one of those is one that I love that Pat Lencioni shares a lot is the personal history exercise. You ask three questions. Where were you, where were you born and raised? Where are you in your family's pecking order? Only child, middle child, what have you. And tell us of a really meaningful experience of your childhood that shaped who you are today. That last one's a big one. Right. And it's interesting what you learn from each other as, as they share that. And ideally, the leader goes first. And ideally, the leader is more vulnerable than she or he would like to be. Mm -hmm. Don't go crazy with it, but don't go super, super. And the, the, the point isn't to, to break everyone down into tears and ball, though that can happen. It the happens. point is to, <laughs> <laughs> it can. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is to share details about each other that you go, wow, I never knew that. Because one of my mantras that I've lived by that I love a ton is this. If I don't like someone, I don't know them well enough. Mm. And, and this experience helps me get to know the person a little bit deeper. It helps me go, oh, that's why you respond this way in such and such circumstance, right? It's just what you build What bonds. you just said. Yes, what you just said. When done correctly, all of these not only build trust, it gives you new data points to reevaluate previous interactions. I, I hated to cut you off, but that was such a big deal. Like you now can say, as I know more about someone, oh, when I thought this person was intending to make me feel this way, totally. I now have these data points. So I go back and look at the conversation and go, that's just because they believe this, they feel yep. this, they communicate this way. I now have more data points. And also yep. I've built a little bit more trust with that human. I go, man, I really like this person. Why did I feel, why did I feel yeah. like yeah. we weren't meshing? Let me go back and think about that. And if the trust is there to say, I actually like this person and the additional data points are there, I can change the narrative of how they made me feel totally previous interactions because of what I now know. Love it. Another way I like to think of it is increased data increases empathy, right? And when we have that empathy with each other, it's like, oh, now, now I get you a little bit better. Another mm. thing you can do in vulnerability building exercises is what I call a life plot exercise. The y-axis up and down is high and low. The x-axis left to right is time. And so you plot your top five or top three highest highs of your life and your top three lowest lows and you describe and share with each other what they are. You get to know each other, how you think, what you've gone through, how resilient you are. By the way, that's also a great exercise to do in an interview, a little segue on a professional life experience to see how people respond and operate. Love that. 
So that, that, those are vulnerability building exercises. Again, back to our triangle of trust. You do so through vulnerability, transparency, and consistency. This is what we're doing in a, in a really strategic and intentional way, but also natural and not forced. I'll tell you, plotting plotting those different points is great to do before a strategic planning session or mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. And here's why: if we are together as a group, and I ask that question, and it takes me back to a time, or takes you back to a time in which, like the formative years, or a low, and then it takes me to a high, and then yeah. it takes me to the future, then our short term memory automatically puts everyone in the room in those places. So it increases short term trust and intimacy, which is great Great. before a a one day or a two day (laughs) offsite. Now, not to hack that, but it's a bit of a hack. It it allows that trust to to just be artificially built up so that we can do the activities that will have sustained trust building. So I I love that one specifically before we're doing an offsite. Yeah, great plug, totally with you. Then Richard, the last part of experiences we talked about building healthy conflict. Let's tell us a little bit more about some examples there. Yeah. So one that we had Jeff fly out a couple of years ago and facilitate one of our strategic offsites for our leadership team. And, and one of the exercises that, that he took us through is this trust builder, trust breaker exercise. That's that's kind of one of my favorite. But when we talk about healthy conflict and, and when we're thinking about kind of the levels of intimacy and, and how, when it's appropriate, if we've gone through the shared experiences, so we've done something one quarter to just build that shared experience to, to overcome an, a, a difficult thing together. Then we've had those vulnerability conversations and we've focused them internally. We've shared internally. Here are some, some things about me that I am now trusting in each of you. And now the next time we can start to focus that uh, same level of transparency externally. So the trust mm-hmm. builder, trust breaker, everyone kind of goes around and shares about each person. Here's the things that you do that build trust in our relationship. Here are the things that you do that break trust in our relationship. So we're switching the transparency and the vulnerability from 100% inward to 100% outward. You could see why you wouldn't want to start with this activity. (laughs) If there is zero trust, one, no one's going to do this. No one is going to actually share real things. And I take that back. Not no one. Usually one person will. And that one person cannot freaking wait to have this conversation. The problem is the other people aren't in a position to receive it. It is 100% seen right. as an attack, right. not of a, a transparent and factual, like this is, this is what's happening. And this is the thing that's keeping us from the stated goal that we all share. So that one is my favorite, but boy, can it take a lot of emotional uh, toll to to do it the right way. And, And what Jeff said earlier is true on all of these. You as the leader have to model. You not only have to model going first and, and, and almost overplaying it. So being more vulnerable, share it, being more transparent than you would expect of them. You need to figure out who's going to go second to you. Yeah. Right. And when I say go first, in this case, actually you go first by receiving them. You need to figure out who's going to go first to, to give you that real, like strong feedback to see how you are going to take it and respond. That'll allow everyone else to know that it's truly a safe place. That's my favorite. Jeff, I know there's some other ones uh, that, that you like to go through. I think we can yeah. call one of them slightly by a slightly different name. Yeah. Yeah. Another one, start, stop, continue. What I do call you need it to keep, start, start doing... stop. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And we, we can battle that back and forth. It doesn't matter. The point is, 
what's what are we doing well what are we not doing well and what do we need to start well how about i just stop overcomplicating it and say start stop continue or or what how do you like to call it the correct way to say it is keep start stop <laughs> <laughs> well said you're right <laughs> i bow to thee <laughs> but it, it's a great way to to really help put a mirror up for your teammates mm-hmm. that's what a lot of this is right just here's how you're coming across. Here's how we're receiving you. And it requires a lot of humility and a lot of desire to grow. And if you sense yourself getting defensive, if you sense others getting defensive, it's important to to call that out. Also, this is one of the reasons why Richard brought me over to facilitate, because sometimes you need a a facilitator to help provide an environment where everyone can be together when you lead and facilitate, it can be kind of hard to be part of the team. You and can't so participate just, in that yeah, exercise it, if you're hard. facilitating. You will either default to being a participant, which lets right. will lets it get out of control, or a or a facilitator, which means you're not actually engaged and your team totally. will model your level of engagement. Totally, totally. That's Exciting. kind of one of the two, right? When we're talking about there are the experiences and then there are the assessments. What I want you to think about is how each of those built. So Mm -hmm. if you're sitting here today and you've said, I've never done a trust building extra, I've never intentionally focused on building trust at my team or company level, what should I do? Shared experience. Do a shared experience next quarter. If you're going to stick with the experiences, move to vulnerability. Next quarter, move to to healthy conflict. You're building Mm -hmm. trust intentionally and appropriately. Now, I think it's a good time to pivot over to assessments and talk about what those are, the different kind of categories of those and, and where their place is. And then we can talk about how do you how do you architect your next four quarters of, of trust building? And I think that's a really good thing that you can do right here at the end of this episode, whether you can take notes on your phone or, or you have a pad or you're typing on your computer. So right. let's pivot from the experiences over to the assessment because they play a critical role in trust building as well. And they also build in the same way that, that the experiences can build. So Jeff, let's dive into to the assessments and, and even the first Kind of, the, why don't you yeah. break those down for us? Okay, we'll do. So think of two different types of assessments, who I am and how I work. So the who I am assessments are like the Myers-Briggs, the real colors, DISC. They, they help us break down how we, how we show up, how we operate, how we think, how we communicate. And it helps people go, ah, that's why you do that. Again, if I don't like someone, I don't know them well enough. These exercises help me go, oh, you're not trying to be a jerk. This is just how you communicate. Oh, yeah. Wait, do you think I'm being a jerk? Uh, actually, yes. Right? <laughs> but when you have these assessments and you can understand how each person operates, super, super helpful. Then the how I work, these are more like your strengths, your superpowers. So like strength finders, great one. Uh, mm-hmm. Lencioni's working genius, awesome one. Mm-hmm. What this does is breaks down what type of work that I do that really energizes me, that I'm just super good at, but I don't really think I'm good at because it's natural to me. So I think everyone's good at it. No, 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 no. That's when you know you're really on to something. And then when you can align that work with the behavior of that person or the personality, man, that's where you get people on fire. They love it. But but if you mismatch those, it can be tough. And so as leaders, it's important to know both how people are and how they how they work. When you can use all those assessments, it's super, super helpful. Here's one thing I'll say about assessments. And I'm going to say this, hopefully it doesn't offend anyone. Assessments are slightly better than a horoscope. <laughs> right. It's like it, 
do not put your stock of your self-worth or who you are into one of these assessments. Let me tell you the place organizationally and the place they should have in your life. If you're going to do an assessment as a team, what it gives you is a third party with a standard rubric that is grading everyone the same way. Again, back to the levels of, of intimacy and, and really an assessment is a way to have a facilitator. That's a, that's a machine. That's AI. Yeah. That's, that's, right. you know, if then logic statements, you have your inputs and your outputs, you answer questions and uh, on some level of sliding scale, some predetermined number of questions. And it spits out based on those 22 questions in the last nine minutes, here's exactly who you are. Horse hockey. It's just not who you are. Um, right. However, it spits out the same thing for everyone. So assessments are a third party grading tool that allows us to have a conversation. So mm -hmm. when we do these assessments as a team, what I have my teams do, everyone goes through the assessments, everyone sends them to me before we're going to meet, and then everyone presents their own assessment. So if we're talking Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ, here's what it says about how I show up, here's what it says about this, here are the things that I agree with, Right. here are the things that I'm a little unsure about, here are the things that I disagree with here's a time when I embodied this mm -hmm. that led to my agreement. Then the powerful part is to open it up to the rest of the room and say, is there anything in here that, that I disagreed with that you or anyone here can think of examples of a time where I definitely did that? Or is there anything that I agree with that, that you questioned? And it allows that, that conversation. The goal here is getting, like Jeff said, getting to know who someone is we want to use these who I am assessments to figure out how do I better intentionally communicate with, with each person on my team and how do I better receive communication from each person of my team because of what I know about them. Back to that, how did something make me feel versus what was the intention? This is where those two things can start to start to be closer together, right? I can feel differently when I receive something from Jeff based on what I know about him. Right. If I know nothing, then it's purely how did that make me feel today based on the last time I ate, how much sleep I, sleep I got, right. if it was easy to get my kids to school this morning, or if we had a <laughs> bit of a breakdown. All of those things, all of those environmental things go into how Jeff's statement made me feel, especially if I know nothing about Jeff. The more I know Agreed. about him, the more it breaks through my external stuff. In addition, I'll add great, great points, by the way, even more valuable when you're leading global teams. Mm. When I was in business school and was in global business, in, in my cohort alone, we had people from China, people from Taiwan, people from um, India, from Mexico, from Romania, from Brazil. I mean, all, all sorts of different cultures coming together. And so learning how to work together and communicate together was critical, just like it is in global business. And so when, when we can understand how each culture works, how each individual communicates within that culture, so critical versus assuming that everybody operates and thinks and communicates the same way we do. That's the point of all this. It's humility and, and a self-awareness to recognize not everybody operates the same way we do. Mm. And it's even more critical as the leader to have the self-awareness to look in the mirror and to, to just take a back seat to your own personality and let other personalities shine. Let them flex where they're, where they're great, where, they're, where their strengths are. Don't try and have everyone conform to the way you think and communicate. I'm a very high-intensity, heart-driven leader. I give high fives. I give hugs. 
if I'm not careful and I'm leading more logic driven leaders, they may think that in order to really lead and be effective here, I have to be like Jeff and give high fives and hugs. No, not at all. But if I'm not, if I'm too loud on how I lead and my personality is too over the top, it doesn't give other people a space to lead the way they want to lead and the way they're most comfortable and most strengthened. So it's just a great uh, overall awareness activity to, to go through as you do these assessments. But as we wrap up, Richard, let's ask, let's answer this question. How often should we be designing and creating these trust building experiences? Is it, is it weekly? Is it annually? What's the, what's the best way to do it in your opinion? In my opinion, the, the ones that we shared here, both in the experiences and in the assessments, I believe you should do those quarterly. If quarterly, so for us, we do quarterly sprint planning. That's when we do our strategic planning. We do strategic planning every quarter. So every quarter, because we're going to, we need to have very real conversations mm -hmm. about the business, about what worked, about what didn't, about the direction we're headed, about departments that have department heads and now we're talking about humans and we need to be able to speak about those things factually and unemotionally i i believe that we should have an experience and an assessment every quarter and i think they should be back to back like for us when, when if we're going to do a two-day then what we're typically going to do is is have an experience have an assessment to kick things off have an experience in between love it love it now now the next question is going to be how long should it be within that leave it up to you the, the best practice I would operate under is allocate more time than you think is necessary. Don't try and shortcut these of, oh, we can do it in a half hour. We can do it in 45 minutes. To do it well, I, w I would recommend at least an hour and oh, a half to two hours. If we're sharing assessments, yeah. right. we're going we're gonna <laughs> to give, uh, we're gonna give the first time we do it about 30 minutes per person to walk through those assessments. Yeah. And yeah. if you shortcut that, cut someone off when they're, when they're sharing like who they are <laughs> right. and, and like their, their, their soul, that's the opposite of trust building, right? right? You're totally. going to cut them off and, and it's going to, it's going to be kind of a pinpoint in a trust breaking exercise for you and that person. Right. Definitely. Awesome. Well, this is great. Very resource rich episode. I'm so glad that we chose to do this one sooner than later. So you weren't dangling off after that last episode of wait, how do I design that? So hopefully this has been helpful for you, but we, we'd love to hear your feedback of what you've done. That's worked well. Also what you've done that hasn't worked well. What we like the, even more is where you disagree. We like, we like mm. hearing that. So thank you for, for being a part of this experience with, with us today. And thank you for investing in yourself to lead others. Uh, it's so critical. What we get to do as leaders every day is such a massive opportunity and blessing. And when we take it lightly, we we just we don't have the same impact versus when we take it take it seriously and really think about others and the impact that we can have on them. It's just it's an awesome journey, this thing called leadership. I love it. Richard, thank you. Absolutely. It was a ton of fun. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks to each and every one of you. Can't wait to to talk again soon. All right. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.